Welcome to this edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. I'm excited to begin the new year with a two-part conversation that I had with Matthew Hobbs. Over the next two weeks, we discuss the gospel. This week, we look at the Christian's relationship to the gospel. Then next week, we see how the Christian must proclaim the gospel. In this week's episode, we begin by answering the question, what is the gospel? Then before looking at how Christians are to live from the gospel, Matthew emphasizes the absolute necessity of being born again. And the episode leads to a conclusion by dealing with the Christian's relationship to the gospel, that is, the gospel affects all of our lives. As Matthew points out, it should have a manifest impact in our relationship with others, sin, and our hope for eternity. So I hope these next two conversational episodes will help you as you learn more how to live by God's grace and for His glory. Now, let's go to the conversation. The gospel is the greatest news in all the world. It is life to the dead sinner. It is hope to the despairing saint. It doesn't matter whether a person is saved or lost. The greatest message to that person is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can collect every newspaper, every magazine, every internet article from all over the world, and you will never find news that exceeds the beauty and glory of the gospel. So if there is no better news than this, then what better way to begin the new year than by diving into the gospel? That is why over the next two weeks, I've invited my good friend Matthew Hobbs to join me on the podcast as we discuss the gospel in two parts. In this week's episode, we're going to look at the gospel from a kind of like an overview of the gospel and how it applies to our lives as believers. And then next week, we're going to see how the gospel is to be proclaimed by us, how we're to live in the gospel, live from the gospel, and then next week we'll see how we're to proclaim the gospel. But I want to begin this week's episode by introducing my good friend, Matthew Hobbs. So I just want to thank him for coming on the podcast and joining me today and like you to give us a little bit of your testimony. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Noah, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm really excited to dive into what we'll be talking about. But uh, yeah, my name is Matthew Hobbs. I'm the associate pastor of New Hope Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. I've been serving here for around two years. I am married. My wife is named Morgan. Love of my life. Uh, we've been married for a year and a half. And uh, to give you a little bit of my testimony, I got saved at a young age. I surrendered to the call to preach uh, going into my senior year of high school. I went to West Lenore Baptist School of Ministry. And now I serve at the church, and I love every second of it. Uh, God has been so good to me, and Noah, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm stoked. Absolutely, yeah, and thank you so much for coming on today. I know you're a busy man, got a lot going on, so I'm thankful you yes, take sir. the time to join me for a couple of podcasts. So I don't think either one of us want to waste any time. I think we just want to get straight into it. So I want to start off with a big question. Can you define the gospel for us? What is the gospel? So yes, the gospel is not just good news. It is the greatest news in the world. That's the greatest news anybody could ever receive. Uh, the gospel starts with God. And before we can appreciate the gospel, we have to understand the holiness of God and who He is. God is a thrice holy God, and He is set apart. He is different than us. As we know that Adam and Eve, they fell in the garden. They ate of the fruit that God had forbidden them to eat of. And because of one man's sin, sin entered the world and death by sin. And our sin is what separates us from God. And we are born sinners. Nobody has to teach a little child how to disrespect 
uh, their parents or to steal or to talk back or to use God's name in vain. Uh, they do this because they are sinners by nature. And this has separated us from God. And I'm thankful that God did not leave us as we are. He sent Christ. He sent Christ to die for our sins. Christ came. He was born of a virgin, fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, lived a perfect life. And that is so crucial because all the times we've messed up, He never did. How many times we have sinned, He never did. Had wrong thoughts, He never did. Said something uh, that we shouldn't have, He never did. He lived the life we never lived. He died on the cross absorbing the wrath of God. And He died, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day. He was seen by over 500 men at one time. And he ascended into heaven, and he is sitting at the right hand of the Father as we speak, and he is reigning till all, all enemies are under his feet. So that is the good news. It is that we are sinners, but God in his love sent Christ that we could know him. Jesus said this. It's just, Noah, it's so much more than getting out of hell. It is, Jesus said in his high priestly prayer in John 17, this is eternal life, that they may know thee. The thing I love about the gospel is I have access to God through Christ. That is the only way. And so it's, eternal life is being able to know God, and I'm accepted by Him because of what Christ has done for me. Yes, that is a beautiful overview of the gospel, of what the gospel it is. It was Christ reconciling us, bringing us back to God so that we could know God, so that we could be restored to God because we were completely separated from God. Throughout this episode, we're going to look at how the gospel will apply to the Christian. But I think it's first important that we look at the gospel as it may apply to someone who doesn't yet know Christ. Yes. So can you speak to the importance of that? Maybe someone's listening to this that hasn't been born again, that hasn't yet trusted Christ. So can you speak to the importance of that and why that is the starting line, why someone must begin there? So the most important thing in one's life is to be born again. You know, that's what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3. You must be born again. Again, that was coming. Jesus was talking to a man who was literally trying to work his way into heaven by keeping the laws of the Old Testament. You may be listening today and you're trying to uh, earn God's favor by what you do or your good works, but you must know that nothing you can do can please God. Uh, your righteousness and our good works are as filthy rags, the Bible says. And the only way you can be made right with God is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Christ. You can do nothing to be accepted by God. Actually, you're not acceptable to God. Right now, your life is offensive to God, and you are under the wrath of God as we speak. So the most important thing for you right now is you must repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be born again, the Bible says. And so before you can appreciate the gospel, you've got to be saved. And so what we're talking about today means nothing to you unless you know the Lord Jesus Christ through the gospel. And I think that's such an important starting point because before we can cherish the gospel or think about proclaiming the gospel, yeah. we must be in Christ. We must yes. be born again. And I liked how you pointed out the importance of how a person without Christ, that it's not just that they sin, but they are sinners. Yes. Uh, yeah, I remember reading in a book I was reading last year about how he's talking about how it doesn't matter what you do as a sinner, whether you are a murderer yeah. or whether you grow up in church. You're a sinner. Yes. So that's why even as Isaiah tells us, our righteousness is as filthy rags because we're sinners. It doesn't matter what you do. In reality, everything that you do is an offense to God because of our sin nature. That makes me think of the phrase, you know, either your sins are on your shoulders or they've been placed on Christ's shoulders. Either you are 
in Christ or you're not. Like, think of Noah. He built that ark. The only ones that were saved were those that were inside the boat. And the only way you can be saved is if you are in Christ. That's the only way God accepts you if he sees you through his you know, perfect sacrifice. And I, I really like how you pointed that out because I actually just read through that in my Bible reading within the last couple of days. And I was thinking about when it came to the, where it says in, I think, Genesis 7 and like verse 21 or 23. And it says, and basically only those in the ark were saved. Mm-hmm. And that's so interesting because there were millions, maybe even billions at that time. I don't know how many people were on the earth right. outside of the ark. And they could have went their own way, but none of them were saved other than those in the ark. And that reminded me of how, though there are many, many, many different ways, there is only one way to salvation. So I think it's important that we point that out and remind that this is where it begins. That you must begin by being born again. You must be in Christ by grace, through faith, placed into the family of God. But... I also want to point out, as now we transition to really the crux of the entire episode, that this isn't all the gospel is. Because I believe that I've had this misconception in my own life as for the majority of my Christian life, and that is that the gospel is just about my salvation. That it's just about the moment that I trusted Christ, and then I must move on from the gospel. That it's like an elementary level of the Christian life. But the gospel, it covers the entirety of the Christian life. It is from when we are born again all the way through eternity. We live in the gospel forever. So I want to transition now with a quote from Carrie Schmidt. The gospel of Jesus doesn't only offer you a place in heaven. It brings you into a relationship with God that remakes the most sinful, broken, and fragile part of you. It is not merely a door you step through once, but an ocean you swim in every day. So I want to ask Matthew now, our next question is, so how then do we do this? So if the gospel is this important, how do we swim in it every day? Yes, uh, so as believers in Jesus Christ, we should apply the gospel to every aspect of our lives. And let me give you an example. Think of relationships. Let's say between a husband and a wife, let's say that the wife sins against the husband. I mean, she really sins against him and does him wrong. How is he, let's say they're both believers, how is he going to forgive her? Well, we immediately go to the gospel. While I was a sinner, God demonstrated his love for me that while I sinned against him, he sent Christ anyway. And so, for instance, if my wife sinned against me and it was a horrid sin, how can I forgive her? It's because of the gospel. I've been forgiven. If a co-worker done you wrong or somebody lied about you or, or just sinned against you again, how can you forgive them? By the gospel. And I think about how in Romans 12 it talks about how Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Whenever someone does something wrong to us, we forgive them. We don't curse back. We don't hit back. We don't smite them on the cheek. Right. But we, as Jesus talks about, we turn the other cheek. Yes. And that is displaying the gospel in our lives to our relationships because when someone does us wrong, we remember our own sinfulness and how no one has ever done us any more wrong than we ever did God wrong. So now, I think that's a great point to point out. So how else do we swim in the gospel? What's another way that we live in the gospel every day of our lives? Not to add on to what you just said, but it made me think, you know, Jesus did not die to be merely an example, but there is no better example than Jesus Christ. We're to look, we're to, look to him for an example. But another way we can apply the gospel to our everyday lives is, I think of ongoing sin. We all struggle with besetting sins, and how are you going to stay sane? Uh, I mean, I hate my sin. I'm not just just saying this to be saying it, but I, I really do. I hate my sin. And what is going to keep me from pulling my hair out? Well, we look to Calvary. We look to that Jesus, although I fight my sin, we face the power of sin 
but we don't have to face the penalty of sin because he already bore our sin on the cross. He literally has already taken care of my sin, my past, my present ones that I'm fighting, and even my future ones that I'm going to commit. He's paid for them in full. So we look to Calvary in that aspect. So I like how you pointed out that we must always go back to the gospel because even though we are made righteous in Christ, we do not reach a place of sinless perfection in this life. We still sin. We still fall. Even though, if you, I believe if you are in Christ, you hate your sin. You long to be free from your sin. I know that I do in my own life. Yeah. I know that I struggle and I think, why do I do this? I know better than this. Yes. And that's why we must always go back to the gospel because we remember that because Jesus has done all of that, even when we fail, we do not annul what he did. We do not cancel out what he did because he has paid our debt in full. And then we live from that knowing and we walk in his forgiveness. We go to 1 John 1, 9. We confess our sins. We don't have to constantly beat ourselves up. We don't have to constantly tear ourselves down. But we just, we recognize that we've messed up. And because of what he has done, we confess our sins and then we just move on. And we live and we walk in the newness of life. So... I like how you point out how the gospel affects our relationships with believers or unbelievers, yeah. regardless, and how the gospel affects our relationship with ongoing sin. So what is, what is another way that the gospel affects our life? Another way that we can apply the gospel to our everyday life is to think of heaven. You know, this past Christmas, you may uh, had an empty chair, somebody that was not there this year. You lost a loved one, but they were born again. I mean, how do we have hope beyond the grave? I think what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, we do not grieve as those without hope. We have a hope beyond the grave. And why do we have hope? It's because of the gospel. So the gospel helps us in that aspect as well. It isn't just in this life only, but the gospel, it goes beyond this life. You know, you just pointed out how some people may have had an empty chair this year at Christmas. And in my own family, we actually just dealt with a loss of my, my great-grandmother. And so she actually she passed away on Christmas morning this year. But she, she was 96 years old. She was in Christ. She lived a life that honored God. So this past, it was Tuesday, we had our funeral. And it wasn't like a normal funeral. We weren't there. We were obviously, there was sadness, there was grief in our hearts, but overall there was joy. Because we know that because of what Christ has done, we have hope that is beyond this life. Amen. I always think about 1 Corinthians 15 whenever we talk about how heaven and eternity and how because of what he has done, we have hope that goes beyond this life. Because as Paul pointed out, if Christ isn't risen, we have no hope. We have no hope beyond this life. But because Jesus is alive, that means we can go to the grave. We can face the most difficult circumstances of life and go into it with joy and with peace, knowing that Christ has conquered all of those things. He has triumphed all of those things. So we see how the gospel, how it affects our lives every day, whether it is relationships, whether it is our sin, or whether we're dealing with the difficult circumstances of life, we must always bring it back to the gospel. It affects all of our lives. You know, I think there's a lot of people may take fall into one of two ditches with regards to the gospel. They may go the legalistic route of putting too many rules on people or the licentious route, the antinomian route of maybe saying that because of the gospel, we don't have to live in obedience. We no longer have a responsibility. But as we've pointed out, the gospel, it transforms our sanctification. So would you mind, I know we've spoken on this a little bit already, but would you mind speaking towards that a little bit, how the gospel affects our sanctification as a whole in our lives? If the cross cannot motivate you to holiness, to live a holy life for the Lord, then, then nothing will. To live a holy life, well, in light of the gospel, it comes down to if you're going to be a biblical, well, 
a Christian, not a, just a, a, a Christian or not, you know what I mean? I think of the hard commands of Christ. Jesus, literally when, you know, Jesus said we have to count the cost before we can follow him. Luke 14, easy to understand, but a hard pill to swallow when he says, if any man comes to me, he essentially has to hate his family. You have to hate your father, mother, brother, and sister, or you cannot. Like You said, I don't want you. You cannot be my disciple. You don't qualify to follow me. You know, and unless you pick up your cross, your cross, you cannot follow me either. I'm paraphrasing there. So Jesus is literally saying, you have to die to your desires, die to your sin. You know, Spurgeon said, you cannot be married to Christ and your sin at the same time. You have to be divorced from your sin before you can be married to Christ. That's what Spurgeon said. And so it comes to terms with if you're, you know, faith without works is dead. And so we're to be holy as he is holy. And so essentially that's what makes us or gives us a desire to, to be holy is to look to Calvary. It's not this laziness or just cafeteria Christianity as we've heard so many times, just pick and choose what we you know, what we do or how we follow Christ, but it's to take in the whole counsel of the Word of God and all of his commands, even the ones we don't like. And because of the cross, we, we've committed our life to him, we're to follow him and to obey him. While you were talking about that, I thought about Romans 12 in verses 1 and 2. Yes. As you were talking about how the gospel, how it does cost us to live in the gospel because it is a call to a life of surrender, a life of holiness. You know, we know the first 11 chapters of Romans, it's Paul describing detail, and he is declaring the beauty and glory of the gospel. And then he begins, I beseech you, therefore, because of everything that Christ has done, you don't live however you want to live, but you surrender. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. It just makes sense to do this. When you consider the truths of the gospel and what Christ has done for us, it just makes sense to live as the way that Matthew's been talking about for the last few moments. Um. So, yeah, I love what you said. Romans 12, great passage. It is our reasonable service, and... I'm glad it's just not me, you know. Christ's commands are also his enablements, and he enables us how? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who sanctifies us. He brings things to our remembrance. How can we live out the gospel? It's by his help. You know, I have a helper. He's our divine paraclete who comes alongside us and helps us to, to be obedient. And so the reason that me and Noah have tried our best to lay out this foundation of the gospel and how it applies to our everyday lives and how it's important for you to be saved, it leads us to our, our next episode on why we should share this as believers in Jesus Christ. It's not only do we live it, but we're to proclaim this. And so that's why we've we've tried to share this today, to to lay a groundwork for the upcoming episode. Yeah, I like how you pointed that out there at the end, because next week, as we look into the gospel again in part two of this series, so this week we've looked at how believers were to cherish the gospel. We're to live in and live from the gospel. And I thought that it was important that we didn't jump into, which really we want to talk about how to share the gospel and how to live our lives and proclaim the gospel. But I think as Matthew just pointed out, it's important that we first and foremost live in it, love it, because when you truly love it, you've got to share it. You will have to declare it. So that's why we wanted to begin this week and emphasize the gospel and how it applies to our lives so that when we talk about it next week, we'll see how we can declare the gospel, how we can proclaim the gospel. So I hope that you'll join us next week as we look into how we can declare the gospel as Christians. Because I know that as with me, it probably is true with you. 
We all need to be better at that. So I hope you will join us next week as we look at how we can declare the gospel more faithfully and accurately as believers.